0: So, um, we're we're, talk, we're in a five-week series. I'm not going to redo all the series stuff. You know what we're talking about. We started with the why, then the who. This last Sunday was the what, and next Sunday is the where. Where are we going? Uh, where's the vision of the church going? What do we see ourselves doing? I'm going to be introducing some new thought concepts for when school starts back. We're going to kind of do a couple of things differently. I'm not going to do that tonight. I'm going to introduce that Sunday, where we're going, uh, where we're going with our, our, our program, if you will, where we're going with our, our, our church facility and church plant, what we're trying to get finished and, and, and fixed up, uh, and why we're doing that. And, and so we're going to talk about vision on Sunday. And then finally, the last Sunday, uh, which is the day be- the Sunday before uh, Father's Day, uh, Brother Scoggins is going to be with us, Nathan Scoggins, and he's going to uh, talk about how that he's seen other churches get it done and give us some ideas and help us to make some commitments and pledges towards getting it done here. And I am firmly convinced, and I believe this with all my heart, if we will do everything we can do, then He will do everything He can do. If we will, if we will give what we can do, and 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 I don't think there's anybody here. If there is, we want to have. I want to have dinner with you tonight after church. But I don't think there's anybody here that could take their checkbook out and write a check, a blank check out. For, to, to fund all of the vision of the church I, I don't think there's anybody if you if you think you can please I would love to take you out to dinner tonight and talk to you about that amen but the truth of the matter is is not one of us the pastor can't do it I can't I can't give all of uh, uh, have enough time I don't have enough talent I can't sing and play like brother and sister foster can uh, I, one person can't do it all is what I'm trying to say but when we pull together we bring all of our time all of our talent, all of our treasure together, amen, then, and we have a vision and a plan, then we can do something for the Lord. Can you say amen? So that's what we're, we're looking at with this series, trying to secure our foundation. Because in a world that everything is shaken, and the Bible said everything is, that can be shaken will be shaken. Do you know that's in your Bible? Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And so uh, if you're... If you're a Christian that's not on a firm foundation, if you're just kind of, well, I don't know, maybe I'll go to church, maybe I won't, you, you're about to get shook. And, uh, and and you might get shook hard. Amen. But if you are on a firm foundation, when the rain comes and things in the world start shaking and coming apart and we start seeing things uh, going crazy, then you're on a firm foundation and you're going to endure to the end and you're going to be saved uh, with it, it, whether... It's in your death, you're going to be ready to meet the Lord, or when the trumpet sounds, you're going to be ready to meet him in the air. Uh, I firmly believe that. That's how I live my life. That's why I pastor the way I pastor, trying to get you not only ready for eternal salvation, but in the meantime, uh, helping other people to find their way to Calvary uh, by your good works and by your testimony, your personal testimony. So uh, that's generally... What we're talking about in this five-week series is securing the foundation for Temple Christian Center there are other churches in this town uh, other churches that preach the truth some of them are United Pentecostal just like we are uh, and preach the exact same doctrine and all of those kind of things they may have a different vision or a different way of operating than we operate Um, my job as a pastor is to lead this congregation God has given me a vision for how to reach this community And that's what I'm trying to do that's as a pastor I I think constantly about what can I do to to affect more people in our community with the the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ in their life and prepare them for heaven and get them to a place where they will reach out to others to get them ready to go to heaven that's kind of what it's all about amen everybody agree with all of that amen and so uh, we we're trying to secure the foundation the Lord spoke to me last year and again this year we need to make sure that our church is on a sure foundation not just a firm foundation financially which we're going to talk about in a few weeks and we thank god for the the wonderful donations that you gave towards the uh paying off the mortgage we talked about that sunday uh we want to certainly do that financially we got to be on a firm foundation on that uh but we also have to make sure we have our gifts and our talents or uh, talents organized and structured our time organized and structured so that our efforts are maximized in getting the message of Jesus Christ out. So in particular, Sunday, uh, we talked about the why, why do we do what we do, and we talked about who we are, and then Sunday I talked about what we try to produce. And um, we don't, uh, and, and the very first thing I mentioned on Sunday was raw material. How many people remember me talking about raw material? That's what we work with. We work with raw material, which are human beings. That's what a church is. It's humans. It's, they're, they're all colors, shapes, sizes, all kind of social backgrounds, all kind of economic backgrounds, educational backgrounds. And uh, we've had an influx, and we're thankful for our California families that are, have come over the last few years that are migrating here from California. Uh, I, I said, Sunday, I know why y'all moved to California, and I know why you live there, and I now know why you left amen because it's one of the most beautiful places on the planet it is a gorgeous state very very expensive to live very expensive to live and i can see uh, why it was it's almost non-sustainable but we're thankful for when so when when we get people come in uh whether they're from another church uh or another denomination or unchurched or from a whatever situation when they walk in the door they are the raw material that this church Has to work with somebody asked me one time they said why do you let that person go to your church I said well I'm I'm not gonna lock the door they came in the door that's they came in the door and and none of that they keep coming in the door I don't know if that dawns on anybody or not but when somebody keeps coming to church they're obviously seeking something. They're obviously looking for, well, they got this problem and they've got that, if you knew their past and if you knew what they've done, sorry, raw material. That's what we have to work with, and that's what we are working with. And our job is to take someone who and, and whatever they have to give. Uh, Pastor Marcos, I wished I, I could speak two languages. Amen. I wished I could speak Spanish fluently. Uh, and, and, and I can remember when I met you how, through the Mendozas, you made the introduction to us uh, and, and we were looking for a Spanish language pastor, someone that could speak Spanish because I'm, I, I, I mean, I can order it Taco Bell, but give me a break. You know, uh, that's about it. Now Jalisco's I do pretty good. I can get my tacos, right? But I can't preach in Spanish, but we have got to have someone in, in our, in our church, a pastor in our church that can, because in, in. And we have a heartbeat here to reach to the Spanish-speaking community or the Spanish-language community that may be Honduran, they may not be Mexican, they may be whatever, but, but they speak Spanish. And we Texas, we, 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 we got to deal with the fact that uh, that's going to be a language that we're going to have growing, growing, growing in our community. So uh, we take someone to speak Spanish uh, and, and you help us communicate with uh, people that are coming here uh, whether they're coming here legal or illegally is not even my problem as a pastor. I don't even get into that. They're a human being walking in the door. We have several that have come here recently um, uh, from uh, first time ever. Uh, is it Haiti? The, the guys? No. Is it Haiti? On the yeah, on the back that the, uh, sits behind y'all. Uh, Haiti, isn't it? Yeah, Haiti. And then the other brother is from Haiti also. We've never had Haitians here before uh, in our congregation but we're getting Haitians in our congregation. Praise the Lord. Amen. They're they're, they're raw material. I mean, they're the same as me, same as you. So whenever they come in here, we work with whatever walks in the door. Now, if they act crazy or silly or something like that, well, then we have to talk to them a little bit, you know. Uh, and, And we don't have that problem. Maybe 10 times in the last 10 years, we've had somebody that was just really weird and, You know trying to steal the show if you will and draw attention to them and that's okay we know how to handle that y'all we had the security team come around the guy up here that was acting all strange and I told him to get up and he wouldn't stand up And I said if you don't stand up these guys are gonna drag you out by your feet those guys eyes got big but they were ready to do it amen because he was just trying to disrupt the service he wasn't you know and so we're not gonna put up with that kind of stuff but just about anything other than that they keep coming we keep working with them we try to find a place for them to plug in yes we vet people yes we check on people yes we watch people we got such a sharp for that man she's great at that she knows she, I mean I'm kidding you she she knows how to read people she's I mean and not in a bad way you know she'll just say she just say spiritually she's gifted and discerning of spirits and she'll say you just need to be careful with that you know Or this or that, and I say, okay, I hadn't noticed, and then I'll start praying about it, and then the Lord will help us. That's why we're such a good team. Amen. And uh, so everybody say raw material. That's all I want to say about that. I mean, we we don't we don't uh, we don't discriminate. But when somebody comes in, we don't even discriminate what your religious background is. I'm not ever going to say if you're not of this, you can't come here. If you're not of that, as a matter of fact, we. We decided a long time ago, as long as you call Jesus Christ Lord, as long as you believe Jesus Christ died for your sins, I don't care what your, your baptism is. I don't care what your, your uh, Godhead is. We know what we are. We know what we want to produce here in TCC. We've already talked about that. But you're welcome to come here and, and whatever you bring here with, that, with you, uh, and, and, and listen and listen and try to learn and try to understand where we're coming from. And if people keep coming, uh, it doesn't matter uh, where they came from, what their their traditions were, we're going to keep working with them. Everybody got that? Amen. There's no scripture on that, but that's just a little deeper on what we have to work with. Then I started off by saying, and I don't have to re-preach or reteach this part because I handled it quite uh, uh, completely on Sunday, but I will just reiterate it. We're trying to produce, everybody say, born-again believers. Remember, I made a very critical statement, and I don't know if you picked up on it. I'm sure you did if you were listening, but I made a critical statement. We're not just trying to produce believers because the devil believes that there's one Lord. That's just in your Bible, and he trembles. So he doesn't just believe in one God. He respects the one God. He literally fears him. So it's not enough just to be a believer. You've got to be a believer and a receiver. Not enough just believe there's a God. I believe there's a devil. That doesn't make me a devil worshiper. I believe there's a God, but that doesn't make him the Lord of my life. I believe that people can believe in the Holy Ghost, but that does not make them born again just because they believe in the Holy Ghost. They must be a born again believer, someone who has received. And we understand that the pathway to uh, coming to the Lord is through repentance. Everybody say repentance. Help me get through these first parts because I want to get to the people of hope in the end, which is I didn't touch long enough on Sunday. Uh, And so repentance. Repentance is simply to turn away from my way of doing life, my ideals, my thing. Some people say, well, you know, it's turning away from sin. Well, one of the greatest sins that we can do is have a carnal mind. The Bible said the carnal mind. And when we talk about carnal, I'm not talking about sexual. I'm talking about the human mind. The human mind is literally enmity. The Bible said the carnal mind is enmity against God. It literally means to make war. Our ways and his ways are not the same. So one of the the, 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 the biggest things I've got to repent of is my human mind. First off, I can't figure out in my human mind how I'm, I'm going to fly someday. I can't figure out. That's a rapture. Everybody say the rapture. I don't know how he's going to make me fly. That's in my human mind. That's impossible. In my human mind, if your body goes into the ground and is buried, I don't know how God's going to put it all back together. I got one better than that. This one always blew my mind as a little kid, and the kids are here with us tonight. If a shark ate you up in the middle of the ocean and the Lord comes back and the trumpet blows, how are you going to rise to be in the air? I can't figure that out in my human mind, but I believe it. I believe that when the trumpet sounds, it doesn't matter if, if you were cremated or buried or a shark ate you, when the trumpet sounds, he's going to bring your body back together and you're going to rise in the air to be with Jesus and we that are alive and remain, if we're here, are going to arise and meet you in the air and meet the Lord. My carnal mind can't figure that out. My carnal mind cannot figure out how Mary, never knowing a man, had a baby. My carnal mind cannot figure out how that baby was mankind, but in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. My carnal mind cannot figure out how if I take 10% of my income and return it to the Lord because it belongs to the Lord, the tithing, how that God will take 90% of that that I have left over and multiply it 30, 60, and 100-fold over back to me. I don't know how that works, but I believe it, and I do it because I rebuke my carnal mind. That's called, everybody say, repentance. That's repentance. I turn away from my own understanding. I refuse to be bound by my own understanding, and I release my faith to believe the Word of God. Everybody say repentance. And then renamed everybody say baptism now how many believe Jesus paid the price for your salvation if you don't if you blew raise your hand with me please I'm just doing tests see if you're listening right now how many believes that Jesus paid the price he purchased your salvation with his precious blood on the cross absolutely absolutely how many believes that you cannot be saved by works raise your hand amen you should believe that amen it's the work of Jesus Christ in your life he did the work for our salvation but there is a part of your salvation that you must participate in. You must participate in, and that is baptism in water. Now, it is, it is absolutely a sacrament of salvation. It's, it's a covenant that we make with the Lord Jesus Christ, and every covenant has two parts. It has this person and this person making a deal. A covenant would be like if I decided to buy... Uh, uh, you got a motorcycle, Brother Andy. I saw one at your house. Maybe your dad's or somebody. I saw one in your garage, though, I think it's yours. If Brother Andy was selling that motorcycle, okay, then he would offer a price to sell it, and I would have to pay a price to buy it. There's two people in this agreement. There's two parts. I would give him money, and then he would give me the motorcycle. So we participate in a common covenant or a common agreement when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ he purchased our salvation with his blood but there's something that we give to him that we we bring ourselves to him he wants a body in the earth we become the body of Christ and so we should not be ashamed to be identified with him and we are identified with Jesus Christ through baptism in water now it it is at the, it's without exception from the beginning of the church that every person in the beginning of the church was baptized without exception it, it's on the day of Pentecost Peter preached the first message to the church and he said repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ with with the, for the remission of your sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost Without exception, this is the first message preached to the church. And so that day, there were added to the church about 3,000 people. Now, when we talk about baptism, a lot of churches really lock people in through baptism. I'm, I'm going to talk, I'm, uh, this is it is, is okay if I do this? I'm going to break it down for us a little bit. I, did, I didn't feel like doing this, but I feel like doing it right now. A lot of churches really lock people in through baptism. As a matter of fact, when you go to seminary or you go to Bible school, they teach you in some Bible schools how to really uh, lock people in through baptism. Man, make you make a big deal out of baptism and you and you and you give them a big certificate and, and 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 it's a big service and it's a big this and it's a big that. Well, it is certainly a big deal. Okay. It is certainly part of your salvation. It's wherein baptism doth now save us. Uh, you must be baptized. You it's part of your salvation plan, it's your side of the covenant. But when we look back at the origin of the church what is important for the origin of the church is not that pastor sharp baptizes you now i've got friends that pastor god love them i love them to death i'm they're not wrong and i'm not right i'm just telling you that they will not let anyone else baptize somebody in their church the pastor the senior pastor has to baptize you in his church in their churches and this is not a new concept but it certainly can produce a controversy and it was even a controversy in your Bible because they got to certain disciples who baptized you well old brother D's baptized me old brother Foss baptized me brother Ford baptized me oh I've been baptized by Billy Graham himself you see can start a controversy who baptized you but it's not important who baptizes you What is important is how you're baptized. It's not important that you remember that Brother Sharp baptized you or Brother Scott baptized you or Brother Steve baptized you or your dad baptized you or your brother baptized you. It's important how you were baptized, that you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because you are taking the identity of Jesus in baptism. To be very honest with you, and very biblically factual and we didn't like talking about this the church world the religious world didn't like talking about it for a long time because it kind of breaks the system of of denominationalism or church clergy if you will where there is this clergy and there's this the, the the pulpit is the clergy and the pew and, and 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 it goes all the way back to the roots of the Catholic Church where the priest controlled how everything did you had to come through him he was the mediator you had to do absolution you had to seek that because we we all come out of that church we were talking about this the other day we all come out of the the catholic church whether we want to admit that or not the modern day religion like we know comes through those uh that system and so they would control how that was done and then you break that down to all the other denominationism, Lutheranism, and when Luther, Martin Luther did his thing, and then you get Presbyterianism, and you get all these other kind of things, and we get to America, and, and what we know is modern-day evangelical, which is the Baptist movement that we, we have in America today. It was is uniquely um, kind of an American uh, thing, and then out of that, after a, a few hundred or a hundred or so years in America, then you start getting... Uh, uh, on, on Azusa Street, you know, about 1900s, and, and you start to see Pentecostalism really starting making, uh, and it's coming through those threads. So whatever all of these threads are, there, there's always been a very, and I'm just being as open as I can be with you, and, and if you're listening online, I love you, and I'll have some friends that can't meet me, if, if they watch me, if they watch me, we can discuss some of this next week. Um, and, and when I started preaching this at first, I didn't know anybody else that was preaching it. And I was so thankful after I would preached it, I preached it in the summertime. Then I went to general conference and one of our general, assistant general superintendent, this, like a vice president kind of guy, the UPC preached almost the same message. And I was thinking, oh, thank God I'm not losing my mind. I'm not gonna get thrown out of the UPC for preaching this. But it's factually correct. You can study it. On the day of Pentecost, the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ did not baptize 3,000 people. But 3,000 people were baptized. So who baptized them who made the certificates, sister cleo we you you make the certificates for us and they're lovely and we're going to keep passing them out but who made the certificates who taught them how to be baptized how who did the baptisms the truth of the matter is they were self-baptized the bible said calling on the name of jesus they were baptized it's not significant that a united pentecostal preacher or bishop so-and-so or old brother paul or old brother john or whoever as a matter of fact the more you lean on who baptized you the more it divides the church it is not important who baptizes you it's important how you were baptized and and the name of jesus in which is spoken over you so on the day of Pentecost. We see them going down into the water. And you have to study the ASEAN baptism and all of that, how John the Baptist baptized people. When they came out to the waters, how many people remember John the Baptist? We'll go back there. We'll step back one step. And he takes over, uh, Jesus takes over after him. John is an ASEAN. John takes, gets baptized five times a day. I don't know if you know that or not. John got baptized five times a day. Five times a day, an ASEAN completely submerses their what, self in water. They're a very unique sect of people. They lived in the wilderness. They didn't marry. They had a strange diet. How many people know they ate locusts and honey, wild honey, didn't wear the refined clothing, wore camel skin clothing, very unique, gave themselves to writing down the word of the Lord and repeating the word of the Lord. So John the Baptist comes out of the wilderness preaching this message and they, they wash themselves continually. Baptism is a, is a washing away. And so they, they washed themselves five times a day. They had to wash themselves in moving water. They eventually got down to three times a day and, and they, in moving water or water that was carried from moving water into a basin. Their whole day was spent being baptized, praying, and writing the Scripture. That's who John the Baptist was. So he, brings, he starts preaching the message, the gospel, uh, that there's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not able to, 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 to lace. And, the, and he's in the water preaching this. He's in the water he's in the water what's he doing he's washing himself he's baptizing him but he's cleansing himself he does it five times a day and he, he's in the water preaching this message and what did the people do they came out and heard the message and he said if you want if you want to join me you're going to repent so he's preaching repentance they come in the water and begin to wash themselves this is baptism it goes back to a type of the Old Testament temple worship and tabernacle worship in which they had a laver of water and before the priest could go in he had to wash himself. Baptism is about washing away our sins. It is a and and now I'll just say this, John baptized himself five times a day, three minimum. There's some controversy whether he was a five baptism a day or a three baptism a day guy. It doesn't matter. It was what they did. Was he dirty in between then? No, he was not dirty in between then. He was just going through this ritual bathings that he did. He was going through this process that is a washing away, and and, and, and they, and they wanted to be spotless, if you will. They wanted to be cleansed. They wanted to be perfect. And so this type of baptism, Jesus comes onto the scene. Jesus does what? Comes down into the water, and he says, baptize me. And John said, oh, no, 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 I can't baptize you. I'm not worthy to baptize you. Jesus said, you've got to baptize me. Why? So that the Scripture can be fulfilled. And so when we study baptism, and, man, I didn't think I was going to get on baptism a, long, a lot today, but I thought it was going to blow right by. I'm trying to get to the people of hope on the end that I missed on Sunday. But, but anyway, this is where I feel in the Holy Ghost. When we study baptism, okay, when we look at it, we know where it comes from. Everybody knows where it comes from. Everybody knows how... You know, John did it. There's a little bit of discussion. And then everybody knows Jesus was baptized. And then, then all of a sudden, everybody knows on the first day of the church, they were baptized. Baptism continued. Peter preaches the message. That same day, there were 3,000 that were baptized and added to the church through baptism and an infilling of the Holy Spirit. The next day, there were 5,000 that were baptized. And we see all through the New Testament that people are baptized. We see that we're in baptism that now save us. So we see this continuation of baptism. But I can tell you right now, there are churches that are larger than this one, bigger and more refined, and got very good sermons and good singers. But they'll tell you, well, baptism, man. Eh. man. Eh. Well, whatever. Yeah, if you want to be baptized, we'll, get a, we'll do something with that. You got? I know Bill's got a pool. We'll take you. No, nah, we're not. Nah, baptism is not. Baptism has always been a big deal. Baptism will always be a big deal. It doesn't matter how big your building is. It doesn't matter what seminary you went to. It doesn't matter. It's the same Bible. It's the same Bible that, and, and we're talking about apostolic, what apostolic is going back to our roots, going back to our apostolic values, preach, teach, practice, and believe. What you said, Brother Sharp, you're really hammering on baptism tonight. You're really, we all believe that. Just check the box and move on. We need to understand it. Because the truth of the matter is, if we're going to reach the world, we're not going to reach them with, with one baptismal tank here and about six or eight robes and two changing rooms. I mean, give me a break. There's almost a half a million people in Bell County. We could start baptizing them tonight, never turn the lights off, never turn the lights off and just start a line and have them lined up. And we probably couldn't get everybody baptized in this county before they died or before more moved in. In the rest of our life. So, how are we going to get people to be baptized if that's an essential part of our salvation? We're going to have to proclaim just like they did that first century church. Now, how many, and I'm not going to mess with you, I'll start to mess you with rhetorical and ask you if you believe they had CNN and, and Fox News back in those days. They didn't have any of that stuff, they didn't have the TV, the internet, nothing. You got one guy preaching in the center of town. Actually, uh, 11 guys, because they had already, uh, or maybe it's 11 or 12, whatever, if Matthias is helping them out already. Okay, so they're preaching the, the, the message. The Bible said Peter standing up with the 11, with the others, okay, begins to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. Now, they're packed in there from everywhere, okay. They heard them speaking in other tongues. But let's just pack, let's just for kicks, pack in 1,000 people around them maybe a thousand could have heard him preach so what happens how does the other 2,000 get the Holy Ghost and get baptized on the first day how do they hear it somebody besides them go what's he saying I can't hear it I can't hear it say it there it is my god you're preaching my sermon you hear what he said everybody heard what he said if you didn't online word of mouth that's where we ended up Sunday Not only does he want you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ you've got to be a disciple maker you have got to spread the good news the gospel with other people you've got to ask people hey man have you ever been baptized yeah I think so well how were you baptized you know I don't know I can't remember that's a conversation worth having that's worth starting up and then and then what we if we're going to reach the loss what we need to get back to is the apostolic method they would tell somebody around them they'd tell somebody beside them. what he I'll tell you what happened he was talking about calling on the name of the Lord and he fulfilled John's baptism and and he was baptizing and, and now they were baptizing They said, we got to be baptized now again how in the name of Jesus well, how did they do it? They went down the water and we started calling on the name of Jesus because Jesus was crucified but he rose from the grave and now he's alive evermore and ascended into glory. And now they're filled with the power and, the, and they're telling this story the good news about Jesus Christ. Well, what did you do? I just went down in the water and started washing myself in the name of Jesus. I started Baptist, and You See, we would call it washing ourselves, and, and we turned it into a, a, a biblical term in and in a process in a church and, and all of that. And it is certainly a process between you and God. And it's something that, that you must participate in. And, it, and it's only one way that it can be done, calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism and what's unique about what we've changed it into a preacher stands over here so many times and says by the authority invested in me as a minister of the gospel amen by the confession of your faith and the authority invested in me as a minister of gospel I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins blah 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 blah, blah. pick them back up what did they say they said nothing they didn't say anything and so a few years ago when I started discovering this and we really started digging into the history of baptism and those kind of things that I'm talking to you about, and, 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 and I'm like, these people need to be saying something. They, they need to be saying, I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm here to be baptized. They need to declare the name of Jesus Christ. It's not as important that I declare it as that they declare it. Calling on the name of the Lord They were baptized in Jesus' name. I'm being baptized because of Jesus Christ. This is the conversation. This is the message that disciples of Jesus Christ need to have with their next-door neighbor. They need to have with their children. They need to have with their spouses. They need to have with whoever will have the message. You can't make somebody be baptized. You can't even force it, or you can't even use guilt to get them baptized. That worked in 1988. Somebody's grinning because a few people are old enough to remember 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 88. There was a book that was written, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. And that year we baptized 168 people in the Temple Christian Center. And Jesus didn't come in 88. If He did. We all got left and lost. He didn't come. See, they were scared, guilted, Whatever. That's not why you're baptized. You're baptized because you want to be identified with Jesus Christ. You want his name in baptism, and you realize that his death on the cross purchased your sins. And so if if I'm not ashamed of him, he's not ashamed of me. And so I go down in the water in the name of Jesus. Whether somebody puts me down in a ceremony in a church service, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not wrong to do that. It's just wrong for the preachers to control that. said that online out loud it's just wrong for the father the padre to control that it's just wrong for that to be some sort of leverage point so you have to belong to us you were baptized into this church no I was baptized under Jesus Christ come on it ain't about a building it's not about an organization it's not about my man it's about the man jesus christ that he purchased my sin and when you talk about baptism in that way it's non-confrontational it is reality as a matter of fact people want to participate and they want to be if they want to be right and they want to be saved they'll say okay what do i need to do well, i can tell you what we can take you to the church right now we can go to your swimming pool we can baptize i bapt we baptize one in our hunting lodge in that in that room you're staying in that clawfoot tub i got a video of us one of our we talking about baptism with one of our clients we didn't start out i mean the guy's paying us money to come hunt deer we're not giving him a bible study you know but he wants to talk about the bible so we start talking about baptism he's like oh man that is so cool he said and and he was lutheran he's a good guy and he and and, and he said you know i I was baptized as a baby i never was baptized like that i was a uh whatever and he said "Uh, uh I'd like to do that. I said, you would? He said, yeah. He said, can I do that? I said, yeah, we can do that. He said, here and now. I said, we can make it happen. I said, I got a tub upstairs. We set it up. And and, and it's 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 cool, man. It was awesome. Awesome. But you see, if we make it, what? Uh, I'm sorry, did I miss you? you say, okay. If you if we make it something uh, like, okay, you, you're getting a line uh, or we make it, and i'm not trying to bust on the methodist but make it too methodist uh, step one step two step three if you do this then you do this then you get that that's methodism okay we're not methodist and 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 although there is a method to salvation you repent of your sins you're baptized you go down in the water in the name of jesus christ to i be identified with jesus christ in baptism and then when you've done those things then you're a clean and an empty vessel and you're ready to receive his holy spirit Amen. That's what it's about. So my goal as a pastor, and that's why uh, when you get baptized here, sometimes I'll baptize. If somebody specifically asked me to baptize them, if somebody said, I don't want nobody else but the pastor baptizing me, I'll say, well, Brother Steve probably will baptize you. He's a pastor. I-, I may do that, and I have done that. If one of these little precious little kids come up here and said, Pastor, would you baptize me on Sunday? I'd say, did you ask your daddy first? He said, yeah, but he didn't want to do it. He's, he's scared. Would you do it, Pastor? Well, I'll, I'll baptize one of those kiddos. But if their daddy's here, I'd rather your father or your your, your husband or, or, or the head of the household, the spiritual leader of that household baptize those children in the name of Jesus because that dad, that spiritual leader, that, that lead, the one leading that family is going to be responsible for getting those kids to heaven. I'm here to tell you the message. I'm here to tell you what to do. But I'd rather the baptism occur by the dad or the leader of the spiritual of that home so that that child would say, my daddy baptized me in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. What an amazing testimony, amen. Or to baptize your grandkids or, oh, my goodness, if you live long enough to baptize your great-grandkids. What an amazing thing to be a part of that kind of thing. So I got hung up on baptism, Brother Andy, but you know how I like history, amen, and talking about it. And so when we see this, when we see about this goes to the last part: disciplined uh, and determined disciples. We not only need to be a disciplined and determined disciple ourselves, but we need to be a disciple maker. That's the point number four that I was going to get. I, I got at Sunday. We need to be a disciple maker. We have an absolute responsibility to share the good news. Everybody say the good news. Now, if I say the Bible, you're going to get this image of of a of a, of a book i got to share the Bible, and it's got all these other pages and all these other words, and that's so scary. They didn't have a Bible on the day of Pentecost, Sister Patsy. Did you know that? All they had was their testimony. And their testimony is how the good news has affected your life. If you want to win people to the Lord, Sister Patsy, all you got to do is tell them how good Jesus has been to you. And when you do that, that's why they come and sit beside you on the pew, like they have all these many years. And you brought all those people to the Lord that have, some of them, many of them, have gone on to be with the Lord already. And and you're still sticking around. We love that. Amen. Amen. And, and 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 but because what you're telling them is what Jesus has done for me, and certainly we are blessed to have the Bible bound up in the words of Jesus Christ and the bound up in, into a book or into an iPad or whatever we can share them with people. But our first responsibility is to tell people the good news that has happened in our life because if I tell you brother Stevie gasoline is 99 cents a gallon at the Walmart down the street he just looked at his dad like did you hear that dad the Lord's answering prayers amen huh he wants to go to Arkansas and dad told him gas was too high I love it he pulled God out on you didn't he brother that boy's a winner. Amen. He is a winner. <laughs> I love it. You can't make this up. That is so precious. That is so, he's going to be a man of God. <laughs> that was great. He wasn't going to vacation. Dad, that's to too high. <laughs> so he, he praying, gas come down. If I told Stevie that gas, he looked at his dad like, we're going, boy. <laughs> we're going, Dad. Amen. But, Okay. So, immediately he looked at his dad. But if you really did find a place that was selling gas for 99 cents a gallon, what would you do? I'd tell everybody I know. I would get it. I would put it on Facebook. There's That's it. That's how simple it is to share Jesus Christ. You found something that worked for you. That's why you never lose. David said, "Don't." I, I remember the pit from whence I was dug. Don't ever forget your testimony. Don't ever be ashamed of your testimony. I don't care what you've come through. People tell me, why oh, did a guy come up one time and told me, he said, you talk about all time how you, God saved you from drugs. Why don't you just get over that? That's been 25 years ago. I said, well, and that was how long it was then. I said, I ain't never getting over it. I know who I was. Amen. I know where he brought me from. That's what I'm not kidding you. That's my story, and I'm staying with it, Amen. Till Jesus comes, I'm going to tell you that Jesus took me and picked me up, turned me around, established my goings, Amen. And and everything that I have is because of Jesus Christ. When you tell that story and you live that story, you know what people do. What do I need to do? What now? What did you say again? They start listening. What what hey, where can I get that gasoline for that? How can I get that? So, this is a uh, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of mixing it all up, but I'm having fun tonight. So, repent, renamed in bazit, baptism. And then we talked about regeneration. Everybody say regeneration. We worked outside today. We got hot and sweaty putting that swing set together. And we went back inside and two things happened. We got in the air conditioning. And we got some Gatorade, because Gatorade has some electrolytes in it. And you know what it did? It regenerated us. We put something in us that regenerated our physical abilities. And we went from burning up hot and all that till we got cold. It actually restored us. It regenerated us. We, in us, in ourself, there is no good thing. Everybody say that with me. In me, there is no good thing. Now, I'm touching on the holiness part right now. The Bible said the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things, and you can't know it. No You don't know what you would do, and you don't know what you would say. Paul said, O wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of destruction? The enemy to us is our flesh. The enemy to us is our bodies. But our bodies and our flesh... And our will and our human desires were made by God I'm gonna say that again I said our body and our will and our flesh and our desires are the enemy of God they are the opposite they're wicked they're evil they're destructive I could use a thousand illustrations that we do destructive things to ourselves, But they're made by God. So what happened? If I was made by God, but I'm destructive, I'm evil, I'm Adamic, I'm wicked, my heart is deceitful above everything, what happened? Simple. Sin entered into the earth. And when sin entered into the earth, it separated God and man. They were cast out of the garden. Flesh now is making it on his own. Flesh has a curse put on it. Woman has a curse put on her. Man has a curse put on him. The devil has a curse put on him. All hell broke loose in the world. And God is separated. And ever since the day he was separated from us by sin in the garden, he has been working to get back with us. Now, in the fullness of time, Mary brought forth a child named Jesus. And for thirty and three years, thirty-three and a third, or a little more, or a little less, whatever, thirty-three years, Jesus walked on the earth, which was God, in a who is a spirit, in a physical form. The same spirit that was in the garden with Adam and Eve, who had no physical form, now is invested or in in, in completely infilled in the man christ jesus he's all man and he's all god and he's walking around the earth and he's doing all kinds of great miracles for three years while his ministry period from the year that he's 30 years old to these did he's crucified on the cross about three and a third years and he's doing all of this ministry stuff all these miracles they're excited and he goes oh yeah by the way i gotta go away what we've had a great time here we got a good thing going peter and john and the, the disciples, they argue with him. Peter specifically, oh, you ain't going away. You're not going to be crucified. We're going to let that happen. We got a good thing going. They argue who's going to set his left hand, who's going to say, oh, no, no, I'm out of here. I'm leaving you, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you the way I found you. He said, I got to go away because I got, I'm going to send you the promise of the Father, which is another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. We well, said, I'm with you right now, but in a few days, I'm going to be in you. They didn't understand this because they hadn't received the Holy Ghost at that point. But they would on the day of Pentecost because now the physical image of Jesus Christ has been ascended under glory for about 10 days and they've been praying in the upper room and then all of a sudden when they were with him they could feel the presence of God. John laid his head on the chest of Jesus to hear the heartbeat of God. That same presence now falls in that room and it's not just around them but it begins to fill them and when it fills them they have this a portion. Of the same spirit that was in Jesus Jesus in him the Bible said dwell the fullness of the Godhead in a bodily form but in us we have the earnest of the inheritance in us everybody say earnest earnest money how many know what earnest money is you buy a house you got to put earnest money is that paying the house off no that's just a portion of the whole amount in each of us we have a portion when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost we have a portion of of the same Spirit that was in Christ Jesus, which is the Spirit of the Eternal Father, living in us. And when we get that Spirit living in us, we rejoin with God the same relationship that Adam and Eve had with Him in the garden. And all of a sudden, this body that was made by God and made for God but was separated from God by sin and does all kinds of wicked things and all kinds of evil things and thinks all kinds of bad thoughts and worries instead of has faith. All of a sudden, now, we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and we're like, let's go get him. Man, I want to do something for God. Peter's hiding out. A little damsel says, you're one of them. He curses and swears and runs away and said, I never knew him fulfilling the prophecy of Jesus that before the rooster would crow, he would deny the Lord three times. He did it. He was scared. He was running. The next day, he receives the Holy Ghost. Uh, after that, a little bit after that, receives the Holy Ghost. It's actually uh, 50 days later. Receives the Holy Ghost from that. And when he gets the Holy Ghost, now he's busting out in the street. They're speaking in tongues. They're prophesying. People are thinking they're drunk, and he doesn't care who sees him. And with boldness, he's preaching. Why could he do it then and he couldn't do it then? Because something has happened. He's been regenerated to his original who he was and what God made him for and what God created this body for by the power of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say regenerated. That's what regeneration is. When we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now here's the deal. I got the Holy Ghost when I was 19 years old. But I have to renew the Holy Ghost every day. Single day. Does that mean I got to go and speak in tongues for two hours somewhere in a closet of prayer? No. I got to wake up. The first thing I do in the morning is seek the will of God. Does that mean I got to stop everything I'm doing for uh, six hours or something? Sometimes I find the mind of God in the shower while I'm getting ready to go where I need to go. I'm washing my hair, I'm singing a song. Well, if my wife is there, I'm not singing a song. She don't like that. She said, keep quiet in the morning time. But I'm talking to the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, I wanna do your will today. I got some stuff I need to do today. I'm washing the hair, or I'm drinking a cup of coffee on the back porch, and I'm saying, God, I want your will to be done in my life today. I want this, I want that. God, I've gotta do this. I don't know what to say today, but Lord, I need you to tell me what to say. I don't know how I'm gonna face this problem. That's what renewing the, the, the whole, and all the, how many people know what I'm talking about when you do that in the morning, the first thing you wake up, and what happens? Woo, you start feeling the goosebumps, don't you? Amen. You start feeling the presence of the Lord. You, you may or may not speak in tongues. You may speak in your prayer language, and you may or may not. I mean, sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. It's not, that's not what it's about. It's about me renewing my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ every single day. Now, I can tell you, about six years ago, no could probably happen last week I don't know there might have been a day that I didn't wake up and do that and I usually figure it out sister Eubanks around two o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> what'd you say see I ain't the only one that did it uh-huh. he said things ain't going right things are kind of you, you know what it's like to walk without Jesus. how many knows what it's like to walk without Jesus you know you know just a little while you're not even a whole day sometimes you know you're just like oh yeah man and all sudden you're like my Lord this feels goofy I don't know what what's going on I can't Man, I don't even uh, huh? What? And all of a sudden it dawns on you. Man, I didn't spend time with Jesus today. Oh, oh this day's run. It's gone. It's this that. Uh, I gotta go by the church and pray through. Nah, stop that. Just steal the way and pray. We're Cynthia with mom. She goes, uh, just steal. She's saying it tonight. let I just steal the way and pray. But don't know what to say, don't want to do, things are going bad. Just stop what you're doing. Find you a closet of prayer. A closet of prayer can be just walking down a hall where nobody else is walking at work, Sister Nicole. You just turn a corner and walk down that hall. Nobody else is walking. Say, oh, you know what? I need to touch Jesus right now. In Jesus' name, help me, Lord, to take care of the rest of my day. And all of a sudden, wherever you're at, you'll feel the presence of the Holy Ghost come into you, renew you, regenerate you, restore you. How many people know what I'm talking about? Amen. Amen? Ooh, I feel my helper in the house. Boy, it feels good in here. How many feel what I feel tonight? Amen. You feel, I mean, and, and, and so I'm still talking about the first part. I ain't gonna, and it's such a sharp, I know. I'm looking at the clock. She got them eyebrows up. It's 18 minutes after eight. So we got a few more minutes. I got about 12 more minutes. Everybody say, repented, renamed, repented is to turn around, to turn your life over to Jesus Christ. The greatest repented prayer you'll ever pray is the first commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all the heart, with all the soul, with all the mind, with all thy strength. You want to repent in the morning? Get up in the morning and say, Lord, I love you with all of my heart. I love you with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. Does that make you perfect? Does that mean you won't make a mistake? None of that. It means that you have set your will to do the will of God. I give you everything that I am today. If you're even in a shorter time than that, if you really believe and understand and know what the word hallelujah means, how many knows what it means? Hallelujah. Means I, there it is, Andy. I yield all, everything. It covers all the bases, and if you really, really, in a short moment, want to give the Lord the highest praise and the highest worship that you can give Him from the bottom of your heart, do it with me right now. Just lift your hand and say "Hallelujah." Hallelujah. Ooh, anybody else feel what I feel? I mean, about two or three hallelujahs. Hallelujah. That's how close he is. That's how close he is to us. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, what a sweet, sweet, precious God we have. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. Amen. You are regenerated by the power of the Holy Ghost. I can do all things through Christ. Everybody say, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. The word means to divinely enable. I can do. There's nothing that you're facing. You're facing cancer. You're facing the loss of a son like my wife and I did. We can't do that. 80% of the people that lose a child get a divorce. Those are statistics that I knew before my son died. And I'll never forget, when our son passed away, my wife and I, we have a big closet, we pray in there, and we've had meetings in our closet, good and bad, you know, I mean, you know, we've had arguments is what I'm trying to say, but if we we just, we go into that closet where our clothes are, and I told her, and I hugged her that day, and I said, honey, 80% of the people that lose a child get a divorce. We cannot let that happen to us. We cannot let that happen to us. And so we 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 made it not by our own ability. Eighty percent of the people don't make it in your relationship after the death of a child. You know why? Because they lean on their flesh. People grieve differently. There's a thousand reasons why you don't stay together. Amen. But if you do it with Christ together, with I can do I can get through this. We can get through it. Sister Cleo, this is Widow's Row over here. Amen. Sister Eubanks, we can get through it. How do we get how we make it? I don't know. How am I going to make it tomorrow? I don't know. But I can do it. How are we going to make it? We don't know. But we can do it through Christ Jesus. We're going to make it. We're going to get through it through Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? We're regenerated and we're restored. Everybody say we're restored. We're restored in relationship. We're restored in purpose. You need to remember, and every person. And I preach this a lot in the church, but I think I think I preach it a lot, and, and we know it, and we hear it ideologically and, and, and mentally. We hear it, but every person is created with a purpose. Every single person. There are no accidents or mistakes in God's plan. You have a divine purpose on your life and in your life. Every single person does. Everyone. No one is a blank or a zero or a nobody. God had a purpose for you when he allowed you to be formed in conception. And we're not going to get into biology, but it's a miracle you're here. It's a miracle you're a woman instead of a man. It's a miracle you're a man instead of a woman. It's a a miracle of birth and conception. But in that moment when you are conceived and God allows life to begin in that womb of a woman, God has a divine purpose for you. They tell us our DNA is set, the color of our eyes are set, the color of our hair, color of our skin, all of those things are set. I believe at that moment, God says I have. Jeremiah said it like this, from my mother's womb, I was called to be a prophet of God. And buddy, what a, a plan. I went to school. I went to school to be a petroleum engineer. I'm no more an engineer than a man in the moon, Brother Andy. But I worked on an oil rig, And I saw an engineer sitting up on a hill in an air-conditioned truck while I was sweating. And I said, what is that guy? He's a petroleum engineer. I said, man, he's got the job I want. I'm telling you the truth. He's got the job I want. I found out he made $300,000 a year. I guarantee I wanted his job. So I went to college to be a petroleum engineer. I went one year trying to learn all that Stuff I'm like, nah, this ain't me. I don't even like this stuff. If if you chained me to a petroleum engineer, it'd be like that'd be like prison. You know, I'm that's not me. And then I would have probably been something else. But I found the Lord in my freshman year of college. Had I known from my mother's womb that I was going to be a preacher, I would have done some things differently. And if we can understand and teach these children and our children that, that there's a purpose in your life, if we can get them to understand, we. And we can't, we can't super project our purpose over them, but it is absolutely our job as a parent. To, I got it, five minutes. Amen. You see that? You see, see what I live with? This is what I live with, y'all. Amen. Uh, we can't superimpose, and we all do it, we all want our, our sons to hit the ball further than we do. We all do it as, as parents because we're just human. You know, the women want them to cook a better cake or, what you know, or you know they want their children, their little girl to look better than, you know, um, and they buy her the nice dress and you get them a pair of shoes and you don't get a new pair of shoes, you know, that, all that stuff. But the truth is, our job is to bring out in them what God created them for. To look at your son who is going to school to be an engineer and go, boy, you ain't no engineer now, you got to be a little more cool when you're teenagers, you know. But you got to figure it out. But way before they're teenagers, help them understand that God created them for a divine purpose. I, I, I was going to hit all five of those points, and I still have them. I was going to talk about people of hope. We've got to create people of hope. Uh, this world needs hope, and we need hope. Uh, Paul said it like this, and I, I, I've got three minutes. You're standing, and I'm not going to go over it. Paul said, if I... If I had hope in this life only in Christ I would be of all men most miserable are you listening to me that's not my words. that's Paul he said if I had hope in this life in Christ in this life only that means even if I was a Christian and this is all there was to it he said I would be of all men most miserable but when the world starts looking like a bad place or baby brother Mendoza, you go to the doctor and you're hurting really bad, and, and there's some things going on, like you've been going through the last, what, four or five years, you've really been dealing with some pain and some issues in your life, you know, and, and you think, if, and, and you love God with all your heart. Paul said, if there was no heaven to look at, then I'd, I'd, I'd be a Christian still, but I'd be miserable. I'd be, of all men, most miserable. But all of a sudden, when you elevate your gaze just a little bit, brother, mendoza and i feel this in the holy ghost and you just one of these days i'm not going to hurt anymore one of these days i'm going to be with jesus one of these days i'm going to have a mansion all of a sudden it starts giving you hope anybody hear me now it starts giving you hope amen and all of a sudden you say you know what It's not always going to be like this we're not always going to miss our spouse sister nadine we're not always going to miss our boy honey we're going to get to see him again and when i start thinking about that it starts giving me hope and hope will keep you alive. The Bible said, hope in God will never, maketh not a shame." That's King James. Hope in God maketh not a shame. NIV, our New Living Translation said, hope in God will never disappoint you. My Lord. We need to create people of hope, and we need to be people of hope. Can we lift our hand right now? Amen. Can we lift our hands to our God and just love him one more time? Amen. In this place, just love him one more time. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a sweet presence of God is in this place tonight. Amen. I love what I feel. How about you? Amen. Praise God.